This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Process. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Monday, June 21st, 2021. 62121. Process is the word of the day because everyone's talking about it. The Philadelphia 76ers played a game seven last night. There were two game sevens this weekend. Normally, game sevens suck, right? They're blowouts. The home team always wins. It's just how it goes. Well, we saw two game sevens this weekend. The Bucks beat the Nets in Brooklyn. And then last night, the Atlanta Hawks beat the Philadelphia 76ers in Philadelphia. So the number one and the number two seed in the Eastern Conference both lost before getting to the conference finals. And everyone from Philadelphia is despondent and everyone from New York is happy because we hate Philadelphia sports teams. Hate such a strong word. We really don't like Philadelphia sports teams, whether it's the Eagles or the Phillies or the Sixers, but those who love them feel as though they've been robbed by the fact that the 76ers have not been successful. The process is something that started almost 10 years ago when really like in baseball, Philadelphia decided we're gonna suck for a long period of time and then we're gonna get good. And every time you see we're having a bad year and we're losing 50 games, just know that we're in the middle of a process. And the process is to get good. In baseball, we call it something different. We say we're in a rebuild. I always used to use the word, we're retooling. We are reallocating. I would never say rebuilding because that would mean that we're tanking and I never wanted to admit we were taking even when we trade the whole team. I'd still say, no, no, we're just reallocating our resources. But the Sixers did a full Astros Cubs type tank. They got a bunch of good players. One of them, Joel Embiid, one of them, Ben Simmons. They signed a few free agents along the way. Got rid of a coach, got rid of a GM. Do you remember their old GM, a guy named Brian Colangelo? And he was tweeting from a burner account or his wife was tweeting from a burner account and he ends up resigning, but really got fired. Brett Brown, great coach. The Sixers are winning year after year, 45 games, 50 games out of the 80. But they're just not making it deep into the playoffs, but they're having good regular seasons. The process had been working in that they now had a good team that was winning. Isn't that the process? But not good enough after last season. Brett Brown, see you later. 
Doc Rivers brought in the former Clippers coach who couldn't get it done with the Clippers, comes in, and then they hire our man from China, Daryl Morey, to be their president of basketball operations. And the view was that the Sixers are dialed in. They've got the best coach. They've got the best executive. They've got the best big man. They've got the best defensive backcourt. They've got a great shooter and Steph Curry's brother named Seth Curry, who looks a lot more like Seth and Steph's dad, Del Curry. I can't remember, but I think Seth Curry and Doc Rivers or his coach are somehow related. I think Seth Curry could be married to Doc Rivers' daughter. None of that matters. I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, can the Hawks really win this game? The Hawks, the perennial lottery Hawks. Every year they miss the playoffs. And now they could be going to the conference finals by winning on the road in Philadelphia when Trey Young is pretending he's John Starks in game seven of the 1994 NBA finals. At one point, I think Trey Young was two for 17. And I'm thinking, oh my God, they're going to keep letting him shoot. The difference is Trey Young's a better player than John Starks ever was. And Trey Young made a few big baskets. Yada, yada, the Hawks win. Now, why is this important to me? Because every fan out there, you've all gone crazy. I think you've missed the point of what the process is. We never promise you a rose garden. We never promise you a White House visit. We never promise you a ring. What we say to you is we are going to build a team after we break it down that can put itself in a position to compete for a championship year in and year out. A good executive in sports will only say that. We don't do the LeBron thing when he signed with the Heat. One ring. Remember when he did this? I don't know if you guys were around. I was living in Miami at the time running the Marlins. Totally despondent the thought that that was going to happen because it just meant more attention on the Heat, less attention on the Marlins, less money for the Marlins. Just bad all around when the Heat signed LeBron. But he took the stage with Bosh and Wade in Miami, and they yelled about one ring, two ring, three ring, four ring, five ring. I think they wanted to win five rings together. They ended up going to the finals four straight times, winning two rings. Is that a successful run for the big three of Bosh, Wade, and LeBron James? You're damn right it is. You get one ring, you're a success. Don't tell me Theo was not a success in the, with the Cubs. They won the World Series in 16. They didn't become the dynasty, they thought, but they made it all the way, and they found a way to win the final game of the season. If you don't win that ring, does that mean that your rebuild failed? Just ask him. How can you call a team a failure when A, they spend money, B, they make the playoffs year in, year out? Their rebuilding is a short period of time compared to their window of winning. It's not like where I'd rebuild a baseball team for six years and have two years to do well and then rebuild for another six years. You're bad for four years and then you're good for eight. The Yankees, you miss the playoffs one year, but you make it 19 other years. You never finish below 500, but you haven't won a ring since 09, and I'm calling for Cashman's job and Aaron Boone's job. What kind of inconsistent hack am I? Actually, I'm the best kind of hack because I'm the pragmatic hack. I'm telling you, if the Yankees don't make it, that's it for Cashman and Boone. Not that I think that should be the case, just that will be the case. For the Sixers, 
I'm wondering why everybody's on Twitter saying Ben Simmons is terrible. He's got to go. We can't win with him. I'm wondering why people aren't realizing that Joel Embiid played on one knee. I'm wondering whether people don't realize that the Hawks have a team that was put together to be a good team and they got a great performance from some unknown places in a game seven, which is what you need to win a game seven. But to win four out of seven, you have to have consistent above averageness, which the Hawks did. So I'm going about my day, watching the game, telling Coke I'm ready to go to bed, busy weekend, Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you people, all of you fathers. Hope you had a good day. And then I see Doc Rivers take the podium and I nearly lost my dinner. We've talked a lot about media availability. When you're a manager or a coach or a player, you meet the media immediately after a game, you meet the media before the game, you have to do an in-game in, in interview if you're a coach socially distanced in-game interviews that Popovich made so famous, the coach of the Spurs. Doc Rivers had to do one going into the fourth quarter with his team down five of the game seven at home, knowing he had quite the size rock on his shoulder that was bearing down upon him with pressure. So Doc Rivers takes the podium and he's asked the obvious question because Ben Simmons was not really good this series. Good defensively, actually helped out on Trey Young last night. But just, he doesn't score in the fourth quarter. You can't depend on him. He's not the second option in the offense the way he should be. He's not the third option. He can't shoot free throws. He's scared to shoot the ball. He can't shoot threes. His medium range jump shot is mediocre with occasional, occasional glimpses of horrificness. He's interesting around the basket when he does choose to go up and dunk on an alley-oop or throw an alley-oop or get an assist or play defense, but he is not the big two of a big three that gets you a title. We know this. We know that he's overpaid because he got signed to that max deal when the Sixers felt pressure. If we're going to develop our guys and trust the process, we got to dance with the guys we brought to the dance. So he's got four years and $146 million left on his deal. Sorry, Sixers fans. Just sit down, breathe deep. You have Embiid for another two years, $30 million plus. You've got Simmons for four. Don't forget Tobias Harris. Yeah, not part of a big three. Not good enough. Not good enough. He's got three years, $113 million left. A lot of money being spent by the Blitzer group who owns the Sixers. A lot of time bringing in good executives, seasoned executives who should know better. But Doc Rivers takes the podium and asked, can Ben Simmons be a point guard on his championship team? Great question. That's what we all want to know. And Doc Rivers says, I don't know the answer to that question right now. If I'm Daryl Morey or David Blitzer or Josh Harris, whoever owns the team, I am so livid right now that I can't breathe. I'm gonna take a beat because I don't respond emotionally, but I'm gonna to talk to Doc today, today, the day after, and I'm gonna say, you're too good to answer a question like that. You fix this now. I don't care if you fix it by calling Ben, you fix this publicly. Because if we're trying to move Ben Simmons, and if we all agree that we can't win with Ben Simmons, 
Do you think it's necessary for you to make it so everyone else thinks that we have to trade Ben Simmons? And you know the best we're going to do is some sort of money-for-money money deal. In the NBA, you can't just get rid of $146 million to some other team or pay the 146 and pay his money for him to go to another team and then have that money, quote-unquote, available. It's not like baseball where you can pay players to disappear. Can't do that in basketball. So what, you're going to try to get Damon Lillard for a sign and trade? You're going to try to bring over Beal or Wall from the Rockets or some other overpaid guy? You cannot make it out that this was Ben Simmons' fault. You're playing him in a way that was not helping him succeed. You saw how the game was going. You saw when he wasn't attacking the rim. You choose to give him minutes, Doc. That's your issue. You choose to sign Dwight Howard, that's your issue, Daryl. You choose to play him, that's your issue, Doc, unless you come clean and tell us that Daryl gives you the rotation, Daryl gives you the minutes played, the analytics department, the vulgare of the Sixers handles all that. True or not true? Take the podium and talk about that. But after the loss in a series, the only thing that we tell our manager and players to say at when we lose a tough game or when we are eliminated from the playoffs, or when we lose something that we were supposed to win. We gave it everything we had. We just got beaten by the better team today. We are going to get back to work and get ready for next season starting now. That's it. It's boring. It is not anything other than rote, but that's the only quote you should be giving to the media when you work inside a ball club. You want truth? Come to nothing personal. Where Doc Rivers took this podium and said, man, we can't win with Ben Simmons, period. Forget him at point guard. Him on our team taking up the amount of salary cap that he takes up, this team can't win. We can't build enough around Joel. And if Joel can't get healthy, then we have zero chance. That would have been a more honest statement, wouldn't it? I think it probably would have. Well, all I know is that the Sixers have what I would describe as a significant issue. And the way this significant issue is going to end is with Ben Simmons not being a Sixer. Ben Simmons said the right thing when he was meeting the media. He was media trained. He said, we lost. It sucks. I am who I am. It is what it is. It's not easy to win but I'm now going to go clear my head, get my mental game right, and get ready for next season. That is a perfect quote. You think he's going to acknowledge that the Sixers lost because of him or that the process is no good, that we shouldn't trust it because of him? It's horse hockey. Ben Simmons is not the reason the Sixers haven't won a ring. They just haven't won a ring because they haven't gotten the right number of players to play in the right combination, and then they didn't have the right luck. One extra three-point made here, one missed by the Hawks, one rebound somewhere else, and it's a different story. And then we're not talking about, we're saying, wow, what a process. Ben Simmons held down Trey Young. Joel Embiid played through a victory, and we've got Seth Curry shooting lights out of the ball. We can beat the Bucks. A few missed shots. But fans overreact, and the media cannot, cannot force by cataloging the overreactions of fans and the media themselves, 
as a front office person, you cannot let the media control what you do. You're guaranteed to lose that way. So how does this end? With tears in a journey, said Dame Judy Dench. And she's right. The tears are yours as the fan of the Sixers. The journey is the process that you think you're still on that the president of the team doesn't think about ever. They're not in their process. They're getting close to the end of a window is how they're looking at it and thinking about their next process two, three, four years down the line. But if you are running the Sixers and you look at that series and you conclude anything other than you've got to trade Ben Simmons, then you are not a good executive. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but I'll revisit it. Here's a wait to see. Ben Simmons will not be a Philadelphia 76er next season. Daryl Morey will be instructed that they've got to find a way to get him moved. And Daryl Morey can get people moved. We know that. He's got to get Simmons moved. Wait to see. He will. So remember, I tell you, I revisit wait to seize. I bet you forgot about this one. And for so many of you, tens of thousands of you who are new each day, thank you. You may not remember on November 1st, 2019, right in the first three weeks of the show, a story came out that Chevy was going to no longer sponsor Manchester United and be the Jersey sponsor in the EPL. There's a lot of money in putting your company name on the jersey. They're not afraid of it like MLB is, not for long. Although MLB now has the Nike swoosh, but there's going to be more. Don't we have a wait to see on helmet uh, sponsorships, Coca? I said no helmet sponsorships in 21, but definitely in 22. I think that's a wait to see as well. In any case, November 1st, 2019, I said Chevy may have left, but Man U is going to get a better deal. Well, Manchester United just announced its new naming rights deal, its new Jersey rights deal, if you will. And it is for $17 million under what Chevy was paying. Now, I could tell you that I deserve not to get that wrong because the pandemic came and the pandemic has completely changed all the marketing spends of these big companies. But I'm not that guy. I'm not that podcast host. I got it wrong. I thought that they would be able to do better and they couldn't. They did worse. Thank you for that. So who's left now in the NBA? We're down to like the Bucks are playing the Hawks and the Clippers are playing the Suns. Let's think about that. I'm almost positive that the Clippers and the Suns have never won an NBA title. So the winner of the Western Conference, the representative in the NBA Finals, will be going for its first ever in the history of their franchise NBA title. Um, the Atlanta Hawks did win a title, but they were called the St. Louis Spirit, maybe? I don't know what they were called, but it was in St. Louis. May have been the St. Louis Hawks, so I can't remember. They won like in the 50s, but that counts. And the Milwaukee Bucks, don't forget, won in 71. So the winner of the Bucks Hawks is going to have a chance to win their second franchise title. But either way, we're going to have a new NBA champion, first time since 1971, if the Bucks win, or first time since 1958, if the Hawks win, 
or first time since ever if the Western Conference representative wins. So people are curious. People are tweeting. The NBA must be unhappy. There's no stars left. Well, Giannis is a top 15 guy. I guess they, they're saying only one of the top 15 best-selling jerseys is still playing. Um, Adam Silver does not pay attention to that. Not one team executive pays attention to that at all. They're looking at the size of the markets. They've got Los Angeles. They're happy. Phoenix is mid to small. Atlanta is mid. And Milwaukee's gargantuan. It's a top two market. No, I'm just kidding. It's tiny. The NBA would rather have the Knicks and Lakers in it. They'd rather have the Lakers playing the Clips in the conference finals and the Knicks playing the Celtics in the Eastern Conference finals. But if you're asking whether they're despondent, they're not because they have a chance to market some players because ratings are really good. People are watching because these playoffs have been exciting. And you're going to get to learn about Giannis, people who don't know about him. You're going to get to learn about Devin Booker more so than just him being one degree of separation from the Kardashians. People are going to learn who Trey Young is and realize what a superstar he is. And what I love about it is even with Kawhi Leonard Hurt, they're Los Angeles, it doesn't matter. By the way, everyone telling me that Paul George is stepping up now, that Ka Ka Kawhi is Hurt, and how great Paul George is, just so we can talk about this with each other, when a player who is supposed to be good but plays mediocre because he's got a superstar with him and then when the superstar is gone, starts playing like a superstar again, does that make that player a superstar? No. That means a player is now the focal point of the offense. That means the player is getting more shots because the superstar is not playing. And it means that the player is sort of selfish in that they're better when they have all of their attention. So Paul George is not someone that you're going to, I'm trying to think of the word, they're not going to market around Paul George. He's been fine. Coke and I have been disagreeing about this because he's a big Paul George guy. And he's like, you know, Paul George is carrying the Clippers without Leonard. And I'm not saying he's not doing a good job, but I'm saying he's not, a top 10 player in the league just because he got his team past the Utah Jazz without Kawhi Leonard. I'm just not willing to say it, Coca. You can argue with me all you want off the air. Please stop yelling in my ear. I'm not going to change my mind. It's just not going to happen. So I did want to point out that so many of you think that the NBA is upset, but they're not. And the reason they're not is what networks do once they see who's going to be in a series, they start putting together their run of show for the pregame, for during game, post game. They start getting B-roll. They start thinking about what interviews they're going to film in preparation for the conference finals. And they are more than happy to film with Trey Young or Paul George or Chris Middleton because getting exposure of really good players out there into the universe is a bonus benefit to broadcast partners who don't control which teams make it and which teams don't. Were the networks rooting for the Nets? Yes. 
even though the Nets do not draw or have any sort of following the way the Knicks do, it's still that area. And you still have got Durant and Harden and Irving and the quote unquote big three. Secretly, Adam Silver was rooting against Brooklyn, though, because I think that he's better off not having players manipulate the system in order to form form their own big three and whatever team they choose. That started with LeBron, Bosh, and Wade, and that's something that I know for a fact, actually, he does not like. Owners do not like that only when they are the beneficiary, but 31 out of 32 times, you're not the beneficiary. So overwhelmingly, you are going to say, no, I don't want that. But NBA executives are interested in money, as you'd imagine. And when you're interested in money, you have to have diversity. And I'm not talking about with color. I'm talking about with city. There have to be different representatives of your game because that grows the game. Because remember, in the NBA finals, countries around the world are watching so countries around the world are going to get exposure to a team like Atlanta who they never would have had exposure to if Atlanta gets past Milwaukee. They never would have had exposure to. And then that's another team that they would pay for that these foreign countries and foreign governments and sports organizations and promoters overseas pay money to bring American sports international. And the more teams that they will pay to get, the better. It's why in baseball, I was always so frustrated that all these people and promoters only wanted the Yankees and Red Sox. Why do you think the Yankees and Red Sox played in London the year they played? Because London was willing to pay baseball, but only if they got the Yankees and Red Sox. Whereas the Marlins and Expos would go to Puerto Rico all the time or the Dominican or anywhere else because way less money is involved. But there's no way that baseball was gonna send over the Marlins to play the Braves in London wasn't going to happen. In the National Football League, they're making a deal that every team has to be willing to go international because football's totally different. They'd pay to watch anybody play. The NBA, they want to get more exposure to more teams. And this finals, the Eastern Conference, and the Western Conference finals is going to be amazing in that regard. I hope you all watch it because it's sort of cool. Okay. When we come back, stay with us, please. We're going to break. We're going to review a documentary that I watched, and then we're going to talk about the number one prospect in baseball going to a first place team. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David. Hello. Thank you for making it through the gauntlet of ads. 
Thank you for subscribing on the YouTube channel. Nothing personal with David Sampson. Just hit subscribe, even if you listen to this and don't watch it. We don't go on live on YouTube yet, but Coke and I are thinking about doing a live on YouTube from time to time. We got to coordinate it with CBS and figure out how that's going to work for now. But thank you. And also rate, review on Apple, subscribe, follow on Spotify. Make sure you come in and ask questions. Follow me on Twitter. There's so many ways to engage. I love engaging with you. Let's keep going. One of the things we do on Nothing Personal is we watch a movie every day. I do, even on weekends, either a movie or a show. I watched a documentary. I am so into docs, and I love musical documentaries. There was a documentary called Pink, All I Know So Far. And the reason I watched it is that I couldn't name one Pink song. I recognized her because I had seen her like in People Magazine or something, but I didn't know a Pink song. When I heard some during the course of the documentary, I said, oh, I've danced to that. That sounds familiar. But here's what's interesting about all I know so far as a documentary. Uh, just so we're all clear, cameras followed her as she went on a European tour and a worldwide tour and cameras were everywhere. And one of the things that she focuses on is something called coca. I can't think of the word. It just left me. It's something like overbearing parenting, where you can't be away from your kid for more than like a minute. And you bring them everywhere and do everything with them. Now, I guess a lot of you may be saying that's just called motherhood or fatherhood. But there's a word for what Pink does that is above and beyond, and it's her choice. I'm not judging her in any way. If you want to spend every waking minute with your kid and you think that's best for your kid and you want to keep the umbilical cord uncut, H-A-I. Have at it. I'm not interested in that amount of parenting. When, <laughs> by the way, I'm not convinced that my way is right or that her way is right or wrong. What I do know is it makes for an interesting documentary. Because everyone who works for Pink, all the dancers, all the managers, all the road show people, everybody who's there to genuflect in Pink's general direction, and that's everybody, because there's no no there's no no people around her. It's just yes people. Not one person ever looked askance at the kids who were running around the rehearsal area, running around backstage during shows, prepping for shows, traveling. And I guarantee you, and this is not even a personal issue. This is a fact. What they didn't show in the documentary were the number of rolled eyes when these kids were around at all times. And that doesn't make me a bad guy or a bad dad. It just makes me honest when you are trying to work and get your work done and setting up very difficult tricks that Pink did during her show. There's a lot of technical moves, a lot of dance, a lot of trapeze work, a lot of stuff. And you want to do your job because you don't want anything to happen to Pink because then you're not going to have your job anymore. So she's married to a guy named, I don't know, Coca. I want to say Gavin Rossdale, but I don't think that's right. He's a former like X Games guy, but I think I'm wrong on all counts. Am I wrong, Coca? Anyway, I think Coca's gone from the show. 
He's watching the pink documentary, I think. I don't know what he's doing, actually. His name is, oh, God, who is Gavin Rostell? I don't know why I was thinking that. Pink is married to Hart, Carrie Hart. So I could be totally wrong. Hart may not be a former athlete, X Games, but I thought he was. Doesn't matter. He's a stay-at-home dad or travel dad because they're always together as a family. He's on the road trip, and it is a fascinating documentary. I loved it. I loved the music. I loved the show that she puts on. I loved the behind the scenes because the cameras were everywhere. If you have a chance, it's called Pink, All I Know So Far. Do you know what I know? I know we've got to be late June. I think today's the summer solstice, right? I think today may be the longest day of the year. I learned something yesterday. The longest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere is anywhere between June 20 and June 22. This year, it happens to be today, June 21. So the it's it's all downhill from here. I love the buildup from December until June because it's getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And then you hit this crescendo. But then it's always a letdown for me after the summer solstice because I know it's now going to start getting darker and darker and darker. And then we're going to remove the damn clocks back. And it's going to be back to being dark at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Ugh. Anyway, why does I even talk about the sol summer solstice? Oh, because it's today. Oh, because we know what we know. Oh, I got it. Land it, David. Here's what I know so far, that it must be late June. Why? Because Wander Franco is about to be a big leaguer. Who's that? If you're not a big fan of baseball, you don't know who that is. His name is Miguel Cabrera. Huh? What are you talking about, Samson? It's only Monday. Are you ready losing it? Wander Franco is the number one prospect in all of baseball. He plays for the Tampa Bay Rays, given $3.8 million when he was drafted internationally a couple of years ago. He's a kid, 20, one, something. He's some age, very young. I don't think he can vote, but I don't think he can drink. He can vote, but not drink. Whatever. He was called up. He's going to make his debut for the Tampa Rays, who are currently sitting in first place in the American League East. Why? I am so super happy you asked. This is the exact time that we called up Miguel Cabrera 18 years ago by calling up Wander Franco today. He will play the rest of 2021, all of 22, all of 23, all of 24 before he's eligible for arbitration. Coca's screaming at me, Coca, please, I gotta turn the volume down. When I'm wrong, he gets so upset, so I'm going to correct it. I heard you. I got it wrong. I'm sorry. The Tampa Bay Rays have called up Wander Franco as they are now in second place in the American League East, having lost six in a row and given first place back to the Boston Red Sox. Can I continue with the story now of why now? Not because they're out of first place. Because he is not going to be eligible for arbitration until... 2025, the Tampa Rays are going to get the number one prospect in baseball on their team to play shortstop, and he's a phenom, a phenom. Will he be like Jared Kalanick and struggle, or will he come in and be like Miguel and lead Tampa to its first ever World Series? Although it was the Marlins second, but either way. The reason why teams wait until this part of June is they're doing the math, they're counting on what it takes to be eligible for arbitration an extra fourth time. It's called being a super two. I talked to you about it with Jared Kalanick and why he's going to stay in the minor leagues until after 
the all-star break, if the Mariners know what they're doing, and I have no way of knowing that they are, the Rays always were going to bring up Franco, but not now. But now they weren't going to do it in April like the Mariners did with Kelnick because then he's eligible for arbitration earlier. This is the exact date they had waiting, and they are simply following through on a smart plan. The general rule of thumb is if the Rays are doing it, you should be doing it. I, I, I can't tell you this enough on this show because one day you'll get it. And I don't know if the Tampa Bay Rays are going to stay in Tampa, St. Petersburg, unlikely. I know their owner wants to move their team half to Montreal, half to Tampa, blah, blah, not going to happen. He may have to sell the team. Whatever happens, the front office that he's put in place, Stuart Sternberg, is the greatest legacy he'll have. It makes him the best owner in baseball. Not because he spends $200 million and loses or wins and he tries, because that so many fans say, if you're spending money, that's all I ask except when your team spends money and then they don't win and then you're pissed off that they're spending the money wrong. You can never win if you're an executive. Stu Sternberg runs his team tightly because he has no revenue and yet they compete year in and year out. I've told you when Tampa wants to make a trade with you, run. When Tampa releases a player, don't sign him. When Tampa's in on a guy in the amateur draft, draft him. We would spy on Tampa. We wouldn't put cameras in there. I would never do that. Not like Spygate. We weren't doing camera stuff. But we were definitely doing things with an eye on Tampa, paying attention to what they were doing, how they were doing it, who they were hiring, what processes they had in place. They're smart. Good luck, Wander. You've got quite a bit of pressure on you, to say the least. Okay, nothing personal pick of the day. Were you guys nervous? I'm 81 and 62. We're 19 games over. Coca, someone keeps asking, are we up money? Yes, we are up money. Even when you take a favorite in baseball and that favorite loses and you lose 180 instead of winning 100, and so then you have to win two 100s to be up 20 to make up for the loss of 180 when there's a heavy favorite that loses in baseball or there's juice when you lose a game, like we had the Hawks plus three on Friday. Eh. Can you imagine why we lost that game on Friday? Did you watch that game? The Hawks lost by five because the Hawks fouled with two seconds left. I get it. You have to in case they miss two free throws. And then you can come down and shoot a three and tie the game. Ah, Sixers covered. We lost. Friday, we had the Jazz minus two. Oh, and two. Thank God we got back to baseball. I told you Aaron Nola would have a great game on Saturday, pitching for the Phillies in San Francisco. Giants with one of the best records in baseball, and we took the Phillies as an underdog, might I add, because I told you how great Nola is. Nola then gave up six runs and sucked, but so did Alex Wood, and the San Francisco Giants won the game. We're one and two, and then Sunday's pick was simple. Yeah, they were the favorite. You're damn right. Ryu and the Jays over Harvey and the Orioles. I told you maybe Harvey's last start, he pitched like four innings, gave up four runs. Jays crushed him. We end up going two and two. Not the end of the world, but we're two and two. So we're 81 and 62 heading into today's pick of the day, Monday, June 21 of 21. And I got two for you. Two very interesting picks. Because today is a day to watch in baseball. And it's June 21st. Do you remember what day that is? Who's paying attention from last week's episodes? 
when we were talking about foreign substances and memos and enforcement and umpires. Today's the day, folks. If you're not watching baseball today, then you're not a fan of train wrecks. Who's not a fan of that, right? It's called rubbernecking. You're looking around and your neck's on rubber. I'm looking at umpires today who today's the day they start enforcing the ban on foreign substances. Today's the day when they start looking in people's shirts, looking in their skivvies, looking up their nose and their toes, in their ears to see whether or not anyone is in the clear. And if you're not using a substance, you may not be all that effective. And if you are using a substance, you're looking at 10 games. And believe me, we've got to wait to see that someone's going to get suspended for 10 games because of the foreign substance rule. To me, that is the biggest slam dunk wait to see of all time. Someone's going to get caught. So we're going to be paying attention today. And we get to watch, we think, Jacob DeGrom pitch. Jacob DeGrom is coming back from an injury to his left deltoid and his right joinder, followed by he had a side of broccoli that hurt, got hurt. And then he had some cauliflower in the shoulder that got burnt. But apparently, all's well. Because all you do is put a little hot sauce on it, put a little barbecue sauce on it, stir it up, put it in the microwave, boom. Everything tastes the same when you have no taste. Jacob DeGrom is pitching, supposedly. When he pitches, he'll be good. I'm waiting for him to have a bad start. But you got to bet him every time until he does. Mets over the Braves. But I wanted to do a quick, if you don't mind, second baseball game today because I'm fascinated with something. Did you guys remember Jay Happ? Pitch for the Yankees, stunk. He was counted on and just didn't work out. He then went to the Twins. I picked the Twins to win the division and the Twins absolutely blow. They are sellers. If there were ever gonna be a team to sell, you gotta sell if you're the Twinkies. And I'm upset. Well, they're playing the Reds and the Reds have gotten hot. And I've lost on the Twins so many times that when I've got a chance to go against the Twins and Hap to make up for how bad my picks have been, thinking the Twins would finally turn it around, today's my day. Mets over Braves, Reds over Twins. It's a double pick of the day. All right, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. We're gonna end on this. It's a So You Wanna Talk to Samson. That's from a movie called Half Baked. And I think the person who we're talking about may have been fully baked when he did what he did. Get into Twitter at David P. Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N, D-A-V-I-D-P-S-A-M-S-O-N. And please, if you don't mind, ask a question. I don't get to all of them, but I get to quite a few. How do you react to Cole Beasley's written statement? You guys know me, don't you? Cole Beasley is a player for the Buffalo Buffs. He is a wide receiver, decent. He's made like 30 million in his career, something like that. He's not terrible. He's not the greatest player in the world. He's got a thing about being vaccinated. Remember we went through the COVID protocols and how significant it is for a player who chooses not to get vaccinated. Remember what a big deal it is from a team logistical operational standpoint, if they've got people who are not vaccinated on their team. 
forget the fact that those players can't market themselves and they can't eat with the players. They can barely go out and travel. It's a whole Megillah. And for whatever reason, players, whether it's, I can't remember the guy we talked about two weeks ago who made a statement that was asinine and then Sam Darnold, the same thing. It's not political, just get vaccinated. But Cole Beasley went a step too far and here's what I would do if I were the Buffalo Bills. Keep in mind, I'm totally blanking right now, Coca. God damn it. Coca, what is the name of the Buffalo Bills GM who said that if we have a player who's not vaccinated, we would just as soon release that player and replace him with the player who is vaccinated because then we can actually run our team. And then he got in super trouble by Roger Goodell and other people. Brandon Bean, way to go, Coca. Brandon Bean said that. And by the way, Brandon Bean meant that as well he should, but he got in trouble because you can't release players. It would violate the collective bargaining agreement, but you can release them just pretending they stink. Cole Beasley is not, you know, Tom Brady. I don't know why that was the first thing that came to my head. So he wrote the longest statement ever. And I just want to point out a few issues. Players have agents. When players are going to do something like this, I encourage them to speak to their agent. I encourage them to show a copy of what they're going to release to anyone before they release it. Get rid of some grammatical mistakes, make it read as though it's English, and then make sure you are saying something that is not going to not just cancel you, but make you look like a fool. Hi, I'm Cole Beasley, and I'm not vaccinated. That's funny. Hi, I'm David Sampson. I'm an addict. That's, isn't that what you do when you walk into Friends of Bill W? Hi, I'm Cole. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. Do you know who Bill W is, Coca? Anyway, I digress. Hi, I'm Cole Beasley, and I'm not vaccinated. I will be outside doing what I do. I'll be out in public. If you're scared of me, then steer clear, Y-O-U-R. Wrong, it's Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. If you're scared of me, then steer clear or get vaccinated. How many of you, raise your hand if you're sure, would know Cole Beasley if you ran into him in the park? I wouldn't. I may die of COVID but I'd rather die actually living. How does that sentence make it into a statement? I don't know. He then went on and said about 20 things and then here it goes. My number one st sentence from any statement, I don't play for the money anymore. My family's been taken care of. Find me if you want. My way of living and my values are more important to me than a dollar. I love my teammates and enjoy playing ball because all the outside BS goes out the window in these moments. Congratulations, Cole Beasley. You are now the first player in the history of football who doesn't play football for the dollar. They play it for the love of the game, Kevin Costner. You've got enough money that you don't care about being fined. Are you aware that there's no fine for not being vaccinated? There's just all the things you can't do. You get fined when you don't do your job. He then went on. He couldn't stop. He couldn't stop. This is my choice, he said, based on my experiences and what I think is best. I'll play for free this year to live life how I've lived it from day one. Yahtzee. Want to know how I react to this? I'm calling Cole Beasley and saying, hi, Cole, it's Brandon. I just want to make sure you're, 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 you'll play for free, right? We're good. 
I'm reacting by talking to Cole Beasley and saying, do me a favor and just zip it. If you're not going to get vaccinated, whatever, but please. Oh, by the way, you'll play for free. That's good for me. Have fun, Cole. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.